welcome. This is episode five of Role Playing Public Radio, uh, RPPR. This is, uh, of course, Ross Payton uh, speaking to you, and uh, with me, as always, is Tom. And Ross managed to avoid the announcer voice this time. He is grown as an artist. Ah, yes, but the announcer is always near to my heart. All right. Yeah, near to your heart, like near to your heart, like a like an ulcer. Ooh, that yeah. hurts, Tom. Yeah, that really doesn't make any sense, though. Ulcers are in the stomach. Yeah. Well, they call it heartburn, don't they? That's in the esophagus, Ross. Really? That's I don't. I don't know anything about medicine. Obviously, you don't. All right. Anyways, because I am healthy as a horse, and I watch Scrubs, so I know everything. Oh, well, aren't you Mr. Special? Um, anyways, uh, Christmas is coming, uh, of course. We're, and uh, just in case the Christmas music decorations and hasn't clued you in yet. Sales, Black Friday, I Cyber worked, Monday. I worked on Black Friday, damn it. Yeah, uh, although honestly, Cyber Monday, I think they could have come up with a better name. Um, I think it sounds vaguely dirty. Cyber Monday, that sounds like... Uh, yeah. That sounds like a sex crime. Like, uh, Tom Jones was arrested for his participation in Cyber Monday. Or either that or it sounds like one of those sci-fi channel movies. <laughs> that, Which is just as pornographic, really. Yeah, yeah. Go, go, go! Anyways, that's, uh, <laughs> that's a separate rant in itself. Um, the reason I said go, 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 of course, is because every sci-fi channel movie, if you watch them carefully, has at least one scene, and probably more like, you know, 50% of the movie. Where are a, milita- char- a military guy? No, no, no. Anyone. Oh, anyone. Yeah, anyone is telling other characters to move away from the monsters. This is usually, of course, go, 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 go! Move, move, move! Run! Ah! And, uh, and Ross would know because he worked on one. Yes. Uh, uh, actually, that's a good point, Tom. I worked on Larva, uh, which is awful in so many ways. But it was shot here in Springfield, Missouri, and I was the location scout for it. So, uh, yeah, take that. It's fantastic. Hollywood. <laughs> that's another story. Anyways, um, the reason, of course, we brought up uh, Christmas. Christmas is because the whole point of Christmas is to celebrate the birth of Christ, uh, Christian, you know... Oh, screw it, Ross. We all know what we love Christmas it's for. It's about presents, which, in gaming terms, is called loot. So this episode well, is... a game, too. You can call... I call it loot, too. Yeah, well, t- typically, we, you, when you think Christmas, you think presents. You don't call it loot. Loot is kind of dirty, kind of wrong. It's like something you get from a dead body, or... You know, from looting a city that you've burned and pillaged. So, uh... Sigh. Yes. Good memories there. So, anyways, um... Loot is fun. Loot is a part of gaming. Has been, uh... Since the early days of, uh... Uh... Dungeons and Dragons and war games. Well, why else would you delve into the deep, dank crypt of whatever evil monster thing... Right. Um... Certainly isn't to rescue children. Yeah. <laughs> or to save the princess or to stop the evil and save the kingdom. Yeah, that don't... Yeah, screw all that. Crap. That don't pay the bills. Don't That don't put a plus three on my plus two sword. Damn, Skippy, it don't. Yeah, anyways. Um, and as great as loot is, it's not the point of the game. Well, we're, we're going to pause one second just to let that sink in a yeah. little bit. It's not the point of the game. Um, I know a lot of uh, younger players or players who have been weaned on the uh, uh, electronic teat of video games, uh, World of Warcraft and uh, or more mods. Or school Diablo. Yeah, Diablos um, have been raised to think that the whole point of the game is to get more powerful so you can get better loot, so you can become more powerful so you can get better loot, and so and on and so, so forth. And so on and so forth. But, you know, no one ever really wins those games. Yeah. So... 
what I want to tell you say is the whole point of the game is to have fun. Have fun. All right, Tom. Did got I get it. it right? Yes, you Did got I it right. Got it right. Got it right. Can, can I have a cookie. Uh, actually, I'm out of cookies. You're out of loot, then. Yeah, I am. Uh, I'm a I'm a poor little adventurer. Um, loot is good. It's a good part of the game. But if you if you're playing solely to get loot, if that's your goal, you're missing out because gaming is much more fun than just saying, "Oh, well, I got a new widget for my guy." Right. Gaming is the incessant bickering between the group that... and breaking down the uh, uh, rules of genre fiction and deconstructing them in a bold new postmodern. Okay, it's about screwing with other people. And to le- and to a lesser extent. You know, exploring the breathtaking defects in the people you game with. <laughs> yeah, true. So, and of course, the problem is loot has its own prob- uh, uh, problems in of itself. Uh, of course, the first problem is the uh, uh, envy, which I think is uh, all too common when one player gets one magic item or one cyber high-tech item or whatever that turns out to be vastly more useful than anything else. That really unbalances the game. And most players would feel, well, what you would call envy, um, yeah, jealousy. The person that gets the ring of breathing underwater right before you go on a leaky boat yeah, in a monster-infested ocean. Yeah, yeah, that person... Uh, He's going to, uh, everyone else is going to want to be kill- slitting his throat and uh, looting his yeah. body. and uh, Especially the especially the knight with the full plate armor. Yeah. Uh, as a side note, don't be a knight in full plate armor on a boat it, in it, the ocean. It, just don't. Think about it. It's physics, which, you know, not too good in D&D, well, thanks, but still. Full plate armor is heavier than water. Yeah. <laughs> good point, Tom. Thank you. Um so that's the first really uh, uh, thing you got to be aware of when you're running the game or playing a game is um, not to let one other player's shiny loot to distract or really because that can lead to favoritism or yeah. the illusion of favoritism, yeah, which can be just as bad. Yeah, because uh, what the players perceive ends up being what's really going on. Yeah, and um, that's not good. I know. Back in high school, we were both. In the earlier days, or uh, not in high school, but in the earlier days of our gaming youth, misspent youth, uh, both of us succumbed to uh, using loot both as bribes and uh, whatnot in games. And I, uh, I was horrible at that. Yeah. In fact, I really think it's time I should actually come clean in front of all of you people. All right. Is one of our gaming groups, our gaming people from high school, I mentioned him, Tom Feller. Yeah. I milked him dry throughout high school. Oh, you did? Because he was one of the only people in our high school group that actually had a job. Yeah. And, of course, I was... There's me, me, work then. Yeah. (laughs) So, in the game we were running, I would offer him all kinds of pointless crap, but for exchange for actual real money. And granted, this started off small, like a dollar for a small item, but... I do it when it became obvious that he pretty much go for anything. He was I was soon getting ten dollars for like a massive, you know, death ray cannon that yeah. he never used. Yeah, that's of course that's sort of one of the happy coincidences when one screw up in gaming is counteracted by another screw up in gaming. You have a wall flare plow uh, wall flower player. There you go. Ah, uh, yeah, boy, I've made a critical well, failure. Well, or on I think we could just say doormat. Yeah, doormat who gets all the goodies. So in that case, uh, and a weird kind of equilibrium still hangs in there because 
you know, he doesn't do anything with all his loot. And he feels better because his character is so much more awesome. But then again, I never did have a dragon crap on him six yeah. times in a day. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I did the same thing, too. I uh, Back in the old days of 3.0. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, we're starting a new game, a new campaign. Uh, I think you were there. Um and everyone was making characters. One guy that I barely knew said, hey, can I be a psionic character? Can I be a psionicist? <laughs> oh, shit. I remember yeah. this. And um, I was like, you know, I don't have the books. But you know what? If you buy me the book, then yeah. Okay, sure. Whatever. I was, of course, being sarcastic. I know. I laughed. Yeah. But the guy was like, all right, that's worth it to me. I will buy you this $20 psionics manual. Well, he didn't say exactly that. In fact, I don't think he said a word. Yeah, he just handed me the, he just bought the book, gave it to me. He's like, all right, I you are now I think he asked, did, did you just buy this? <laughs> yeah. And he said, which, which he replied, yes, I did. Yes. And you said, okay, you can be a psionic. Yep, I could be a, you could be a psionic character. And that campaign lasted all of one session. But you still have that psionic book, don't yeah, you? Yeah, it's still up there somewhere, 3.0, so it's, you know, it's useless, use, now. useless but um, hey, it helps the economy. It's RP kindling right now. Yeah, something like that. Um, so that happens, and that's kind of a screw-up. And You know, you don't want real-life loot to screw up the game either. Um, games have, you know, games have enough drama as it is. Yeah. I mean, and of course, then there's the obvious problem of uh, game balancing, whether you give out too much loot and it's a Monty Hall campaign, or you give out too little loot and all the players, you know, uh, it's like, like, well, gee, thank you, thank you, adventurers, for saving our entire kingdom. Uh, Here's a rusty short sword. Oh, and a bag of, and a bag of, uh, well, oxidized copper. (laughs) Help yourself. Yeah, oxidized, that's a nice way of putting it. Yes, and uh, at that point, like, what's the AC in this king? Yeah, exactly. Um... And that's, I mean, game mechanics kind of address that. I think, uh, you know, D&D obviously has its own, you know, this item is worth so many gold coins. And that's pretty good. But um, it's... Well, other games, it's not so obvious. Yeah. Like, um, like I've actually, like, Cyberpunk, which I played a few times. Yeah. You know, certain, you know, it's certain guns, you know, you obviously, like, guns are, that's a lot harder to, uh, to gauge what's going to be, you know, useful in that game, but... But you know, you give the player the, the one player who gets a rail gun, yeah, is yeah. going to have an advantage. I don't you know, no matter what happens. Well, uh, it depends on the game, though. Like Tr- cyber, c- yeah, cyberpunk. That's that's more or less. But in Call of Cthulhu, it's actually kind of tempting to give the players all the equipment they want. You know, all the elephant because it's guns. Very likely they're going to die. Yeah. Well, it's or go mad. No, no, no. The thing is, it gives them false confidence and say, "Oh yeah, sure, you can all have elephant guns, dynamite, and Tommy guns." Well, unless of course they're veterans of either the game or. The GM like you, which like if you're handing out all this stuff, like, oh Jesus Christ, what are we going to run into this time? Yeah, it's like, oh, here's a dark young. So it either boosts false confidence or makes them extremely paranoid. Yeah, both of which are fun for you. Yeah, and be like, hey, yeah, you fire the elephant gun. And if you really want to be nice, you could just you know give us Yithian you know lightning guns. Yeah, and then uh, um, yeah. By by the way, I will say just a personal note. I know it's a tangent, but a personal note to me. If you are in Call of Cthulhu and do get a Yithian lightning gun, don't roll double zero on the roll. D- well, just don't do that. I have to point out, Tom, that that sort of that was sort of my own interpretation. Now, uh, just the point of note that happened to Tom, and uh, I gave him cancer. His character cancer, not him. I, I lethal cancer. 
Luckily, I luckily I was torn to shreds by something before I could die of cancer. Yeah. And the uh, thing that ate me ate cancer-ridden meat. <laughs> and that, to me, is a victory. Uh, I think that was a flying polyp, wasn't it? Yes, it was a flying polyp. I, I think I, I killed two of them yeah. with, the, with said lightning gun. Yeah. And then you rolled the double zero. Um, yeah. Honestly, it's uh, that's there's nothing in the rule specifically that says if you roll double zero, you get cancer. Well, the, the gun leaks on you. And yeah. Well, no, actually, I don't even think there's that. I just sort of, eh, whatever. You get radioactive. So all you GMs, if you want to be bastards, do that. Well, they, it could be worse. It could be like it opens a dimensional rift, sucks you into a gate, into you know uh, Carcosa. Or uh, the bottom of the ocean where you meet Cthulhu. Or the city of Nakotis in 50 million years in the past. There you go. Or uh, it just blows up. Or uh, it turns into antimatter. Ha, yeah. campaign over. <laughs> yeah, that, that'd be great. That, that'd be great. A double zero causes a miniature nuclear explosion. All right. Then you get 100 of those guys and you get a bunch of tribal fishermen. And I tell <laughs> you, we can take down Cthulhu. Yeah. Freaking tribal fishermen. Yeah. Anyway, that's that story. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so, again... Our, our, our point is, you know, again, loot shouldn't be the whole point of the goddamn game. Um, we, you know, there's this sort of Pavlovian response, especially you get, I mean, if you read about Blizzard and their design process, they just, they made Diablo and World of Warcraft so that every action you did, every monster you kill, there would be this little, you know, Pavlovian carrot, this little reward. Like, ah, you get a, right. and a couple it, of gold coins. You get this. Is, you get it just this. Me, is it kind of ridiculous to kill, like, a boar. A small boar and like a suit of plate mail armor pops yeah. out. Side, another side note, I, I played World of Warcraft. And what the hell is with all the goddamn boars? There are hell boars. There are fell boars. There are demon boars. There are just all kinds of boars in the game. It's boring. It sucks. It's We don't need that many boars. We know you can only have so many much money for animation, for creating new models. But I mean, come on! Like, oh, yes, and just so Anyways. you know, uh, Hellgate London is pretty much just Diablo with guns. Yeah. Uh, save save your money. So, you know, it's tempting to do that, to give the the characters rewards like that. But you don't have to give it loot. You know, it could be something story-based. It could be something... Uh, experience, obviously. Well, that, that goes without saying. I mean, God, if you deprive the players of experience points or skill advances or whatever else, then Jesus Christ, what's wrong yes. with you? Although my friend, my, my friend Andy, who's since moved away had this game book that says uh, treat experience as like a rare reward for your gamers. And after reading that, he decided he decided he would grant a ridiculous amount of experience from then on. And every time he did, he would just say, fuck you to that game and flip it and flip it off in the air. Well, that's uh, that's good. It was. Yeah, it was. Um, but uh, uh, it's not just, you know, giving them the players rewards. You want to give them something you want to have them. Have fun, and the whole well, point. You is- want to run a game that they talk about after. Yeah, that's, that's the, the goal. Point. That's the if you're the GM, that's the goal for so, you. So focus more on the plot. Focus more on the story and the characters. What the PCs want. The, like the, like the interaction. I mean, the, yeah. And uh, all the action scenes. Make sure yeah. those are good. Well, it depends on the group. I mean, some groups are really into RP. You know, role playing. Yeah, well, I'm referring all. to our groups. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we like interacting, but you, you better. We better have a chance to shoot some guns. Or yeah, do something awesome and cool. And the thing, well, you is- see, we're willing to go through. Well, we're willing to work to that. We're willing to go through boring stuff to get to it. <laughs> I'm not saying that you're boring, Ross. But- right, right. Um, the thing is. You should make loot whenever you do it, relate to the game, and help make your game more fun. In other words, 
let your loot make the play give the players more options have them have more abilities uh let them do things they weren't able to do before you know uh or let them use their abilities in ways you never thought of. right it opens up new possibilities you know like give them a carpet of flying and then hey you have a whole, whole lot of new options in the D D game they can go to new countries they can try all these new different types of adventures they can try and, things they've never done before call it cthulhu give them some dynamite <laughs> yeah uh, that's also a lot, of, or give them a mythos tome, which is uh, uh, an adventure in of itself and a way to end the sanity of more than one player character. Well, that should, that goes without saying. Yeah. So you know that's what you should be looking for. You should be looking for the kind of loot that will make your game more interesting, more uh, unique, and you know make sure everyone gets involved with it you know everyone should be drooling over it they should fight for it they should you know earn it as a reward and then you should use it to give them new challenges and in dnd give out some minor magical items too they're items as well and there's all kinds of in- interesting things you can do like uh um those uh, uh animal tokens i forgot what they're called wondrous figurines yeah i mean there's just a boatload of things and you uh, can do I think one thing we used to love like just the random art objects oh yeah yeah because you know, we like, because we would actually tobacco they, box. Because yeah. two of us had strongholds in that game, and we yeah, would, they don't even need and, to cash and, it. And, in. and we'd go back and forth. Just all right, now which one would decorate which stronghold better? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And some, you know, a couple of players were like, well, aren't we just going to sell? Them? Like, no, these are cool art objects. Pimp your stronghold. Damn Skippy, that's what we do. Hey, you can make a whole adventure out of that, where it's a contest between other players, things like that. Uh, the winning player gets, you know, the the kingdom or whatever. You know, you know what I mean. Uh, it's that's what you've been focusing on. Don't be focused. Don't worry too much on whether the loot's balanced. Just don't ask what's in it for me. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. Just think about what's going to make the game cool or what's going to make the game just blow everyone's minds. What's so. going to make the game go that, you know, the next day, like, oh, do you remember this? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, get your players to make that sound. Oh, yeah, exactly. Uh, or, ooh, ah, that, or, you know. Their their lamentations of the women. Yeah, or Iggy Poo. Yeah. No, that's my happy noise. <sighs> then you, uh, I I'm not even going to dignify that with a response. Um. Anyways, so keep that in mind while you're running games during this holiday season. And, and uh, uh, remember, loot like loot's not fashion. Loot, yeah, loot is not fashion. It's not something just to make your character pretty, like it is in you know World of Warcraft. It's uh something that makes the game awesome. Yeah, it's it's not just running around with your trench coat and your katana. Yeah, and your Tommy gun in each hand. Yeah, so I think I think uh, uh, we pretty well covered it. Um, but again, if you readers or listeners, um, I should say, I nice save there. Yeah, um, if you have any problems with your game, uh, please uh, uh, send us an email, send us a message on our MySpace or on the website. We'll or, be glad to talk it over with you. Or, uh, not, or not, or not even a problem, just. A story, moments, or moments that you went, you made you go, oh, yes, uh, gaming related though. Yes, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that the little caveat there. Yes. That we're focused. The, 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 the night that you actually scored with a pretty chick who worked at the Barnes and Noble bookstore, I'm sure is a great moment for you. Yeah, but uh, there are children gaming. Present. You know, yeah. And we're trying to keep this show fucking clean, <laughs> motherfucker. I thought we should say that again, Ross. Motherfucker. motherfucker. All right. All right. So, um. We'll be back in a little bit with Tom and his letter, and of course, gaming anecdotes, shout outs, and more. Back in a sec.
Dear Game Master Squiggy, Normally my letters in RPPR are directed at famous characters and creatures from various RPGs. You might remember my little missive to Cthulhu, or my advice to evil overlords in D&D. I want to assure you that trend will continue. I have many more heartfelt letters in the can, from a plea to Emperor Prosec of Rifts, to a very moving letter of thanks and praise to Father Dagon and Mother Hydra. So do stay tuned for those. Today, however, I wish to aim a letter at an actual personal acquaintance of mine. This person will simply be referred to as Squiggy. That is not his actual name, but rather a moniker he earned from his predilection to using the word Squiggy to represent everything from cool, awesome, and rad, yes, he still loves that word to this day, to weird, bizarre, and stupid. As there might be a chance to renew contact with him at some point in the future, I will keep his actual name out of it. Squiggy was the GM in the group I used to be a part of in the dark days after high school, while I worked at Walmart. This time period of my life I like to call the abandoned all-hope years. I must have played with him for about six months, but in that time I learned of a horrific quirk he had that I have noticed in other people I have played with before. Squiggy loved to run sliders-like world-hopping games, and he loved to go into elaborate detail explaining the strange new worlds we would arrive in. He often got manic in his enthusiasm in describing alien and forbidding cities and landmarks. His ranting reminded me of the song Psychobilly Freakout from the Reverend Horton Heat. It was loud and fast and changed volume and pitch every few seconds. But one thing that I could never get over was his timid lack of ability to describe anything when we would go to an actual Earth city. His lack of knowledge of even the most basic of landmarks in cities like New York, London, and Los Angeles was quite painful. He couldn't tell you what city the Statue of Liberty resided in or that Hollywood was in California. When it would come time to do some adventuring on Earth, the manic bundle of energy that was Squiggy transformed into a quiet, mumbling manservant who had been castrated for daring to speak to his master. I acknowledge that role-playing is a great deal about exploring strange places that are hard to imagine. If you are a virtuoso of explaining such places, then I salute you. You are a master of a skill that I only have some ability at. But if you plan a whole set of gaming sessions to take place in New York City, do everyone in the group a favor and read up a little bit on the city itself. It would certainly be in your best interest to at least learn the landmark that is on the state license plate before dropping a group of revved-up, violence-prone adventurers into the heart of the Big Apple. Besides being a big boost to your credibility as GM, which, by the way, Squiggy, you do need, don't you think that it would be good knowledge to let your players know the hardness and break difficulty of the Empire State Building? Rest assured, if we enter the city with power armor and 50 gigawatt particle beam cannons, we didn't come to get on the Regis and Kelly show. And that was uh, Tom's letter to Squiggy. I, I know. If you're out there, if you're out there, man, you know Squiggy. I got nothing to you're say. You're an internet here. celebrity. Bask in the praise, the only yeah. praise you will ever receive. Of course. Anyways, uh, next uh, little part. Uh, shoutouts. Um, for this episode, I'd like to give a shout out to a video game I've been playing. Technically, video game. It's really an online browser-based game. I don't know if that you'd still call them video games or not. But anyways, I'm. Uh, it's called Urban Dead. It's a uh, turn-based zombie survival apocalyptic thingy. Well, for those playing the home game, Ross loves zombies. Yes. So you either start out as a zombie or as a survivor. If you die as a survivor, you become a zombie. Uh, interestingly uh, enough, uh, survivors can be or zombies can become survivors. There's a uh, revivification syringe that turns zombies into people. Why would you want to do that? 
Well, because the well, that's how the it's just how the game's set up. Tom. All right, fine. Because survivors get guns. Okay, great. Anyways, um, it's it's a simple little game, easy to pick up, easy to learn, and you can only you only need to play for like ten minutes a day because you only get two action points an hour and you use them up very quickly. And you can only store up to 50 before you're done. What's great about this game is, uh, see, I'm a member of somethingawful.com. The forum's there. And uh, we don't play games. We play something awful on other games. So we're uh, uh, the, the assholes who kill people, make fun of them, and loot their dead bodies. So that's what we're doing on Something Awful. We're ruining that's the right. game for other people. Ross is Clockwork Joe on there, just in case anyone wants to know. Yeah! And I'm Lustrian, though I've never posted. Yeah. Anyways, so if you're a member of Something Awful, uh, come join us for Urban Dead in the private game server and uh, forum. And uh, uh, join us. And uh, we uh, can make a lot of people leave the game in anger and frustration as we keep killing them again and again and again. And that's what the whole point of playing online is, is to make other people cry. Brought a tear to my eye, Ross. Anyways, you have a shout-out, Tom? Yes, I do, actually, to a uh, White Wolf book that I recently purchased, Blood Dim Tides, Yeah, which is all about White Wolf Undersea. Yeah. I mean, there's the Rokia book, of course, but Blood Dim Tides is much more kind of the the Lovecraft book of World of Darkness, and running a game using it right now, and it really really spices things up in an otherwise kind of dull game because as powerful as my players are in my White Wolf game, none of them are very adept at going into the ocean. Ooh. So uh, I can... Plus you have the whole Insmith look, Deep Ones, Dagon, Ten- yeah, Tentacled things, yes. Yeah, I yeah, have yeah. all that stuff, and I likes that stuff a lot. Yeah, I've looked through it. It's a it's a neat book. It's a, It works for all the old wo- World of Darkness, not just... It's pretty uh, heavy into Wraith, but it covers everything. Yeah, so if you play any of the old school games uh, for World of Darkness, uh, give it a look. It'd be good to have at least for one of them. And if you got a bunch of vampires and werewolves that are just tearing through everything you throw at them, give that a read, because I guarantee you... As you know, tough as they are in the cities or in the forest, there's not much they can do on the ocean. Yeah, <laughs> true enough. Anyways, um, so that's our shout-outs. And, of course, our final segment is gaming anecdotes. Uh, we got a couple this time. We got some from re- uh, from listeners. Uh, nice but, nice save there, Ross. Yeah, I just a uh, bad habit of mine. Um, anyways, our first, of course, we have a personal one. Um, you see, a couple summers ago, I think it was 2005, I ran... I watched this series of movies about the Yakuza, the Japanese mafia. And uh, I liked them a lot. It was it was Battle Without Honor or Humanity. Battle Without Honor or Humanity by Kinji Fukusaku, better known for his work directing Battle Royale, which I won't explain here, but that's another great game and, or a movie for gaming. And for also for those, the Battle Without Honor or Humanity is also the Music that that's most famous in Kill Bill. Yeah, the uh, the badass song that they play when it's when uh, the Oren, bride o- o- Oren's arriving at yeah, yeah yeah the house of the house of green yeah it's the one you've leaves. heard a hundred times. Um, so anyways, I decided to run a Yakuza game, but I put a twist on it. It was a Call of Cthulhu Yakuza game set in post World War II Hiroshima in the late forties. And uh, all the players are Yakuza gangsters. And, of course, I had ghosts and monsters and this whole plot, and they just... But the thing is, we found more interesting the organized crime part of it. And I decided to roll with that. I said, all right, you're gangsters. We're going to gangster it up. And um, Now, granted, we did use the supernatural for our own ends. Yeah. We used them to help us get, you know... And one of the players was killed by a ghost because he 
failed a lot of skill checks when he was trying to was, bury a body was, out in the woods. It's pretty much it was six straight straight skill checks, wasn't something it? like that. It, and he just couldn't get out of those woods. And that dead body had an angry spirit in it. The angry spirit wanted to eat his soul, and it did. It's fun, yummy. I was like, everybody at the table was like, God damn, you just keep failing those checks. It was funny. It was tragic, but hey, <laughs> but, that's the way the cookie crumbles. Anyways, uh, so the players were gangsters with their own little, you know, Yakuza family. You know, cornering the markets on booze, cigarettes. Yeah. And um, what happened was there were a lot of foreigners in post-World War II Japan. A lot of foreign laborers had been brought over to work in the factories. Well, all the Japanese men went to fight. Right. A bunch of Koreans, a bunch of Chinese. This is historically accurate, or at least... Based on history. I read some stuff on the Yakuza. Anyways, after World War II, they couldn't go home, these foreigners, because, you know, their people back, their homes were bombed, and uh, the people back home hated them for working for the Japanese, even though they were like slave laborers for the most part. So uh, they formed their own gang. They went turned to crime, and the Yakuza really hated these guys. They were called the Sangokujin, I think. But... That, yeah, that's getting to where it, what eventually happened, but also this game is a great example of loot influencing the game. Yeah, because well. we because uh, we received a tip that someone knew the location of a downed Japanese Zero fighter plane. Oh yeah, yeah. And we went, we found it, and recovered the machine gun on it. Yes. See, and that's an example of using loot to make the game more interesting. Because now that they had this machine gun, they were willing to take more chances because they had a goddamn machine gun, and no one else did. Yes. Which so, made us awesome. Yes. So but, what did you, know, you do? You know, despite what you may have seen in Kung Fu Hustle, not all the gangs had bunches of Tommy guns. <laughs> yeah, they had pistols and lots of knives and a couple of katanas, things like that. It was pretty low tech. Well, it was in Japan. If, if, our player, if, some of the, if some of the players didn't get katanas, they would have quit. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, it goes with the Yakuza game. Anyways, uh, with the machine gun, you set it up in a building across from the Sangokujin headquarters which was a tenement building yeah they had like 300 gangsters i told them the pcs had like 30 but they had a machine gun you had a machine gun so we decided the odds were even yes so um you set it up you opened fire you killed a whole lot of them we killed more than half of them yeah and you all died heroically beautifully died yeah the the building you were in was on fire all of you were gunned down and uh, the cops were simply waiting to just mop up yeah and um you know sangokujin all around all your npc helpers were killed all everyone and you were the last one alive i think you're on the roof of the building you decided to jump off katana in hand to try and kill at least one more of the guys before you died yourself i don't recall if i did or not but it that was hardly really the point. Matter. That yeah. was hardly the point. Jumping off, sword in hand to kill another and This enemy. was like seven floors? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, instantly fatal. So, uh, and everybody loved it. It was a total yeah. player kill. Everybody and had a great well, time. We actually stuck around here for about an hour longer just to, yeah. like, oh, can you believe this? Like, oh, that yeah. sound. We made that a lot. Yeah, so that's, you see, I mean, yeah. a game doesn't suck even if everyone dies in it. It's just, if everyone agrees to it and everyone has fun, that's the point. Mission accomplished. Exactly. Well, yeah. But, hey, our characters did go down in history. Yes, you turned the tide and let the Japanese gangsters control all the sin and corruption in Japan. We did our part for our <laughs> homeland. For Japan! Yes, very, as everyone knows, Ross, you can make anything sound Japanese. Oh. I was just putting an ooh sound at the end of it. Yes. Anyways. <laughs> um, so, that's our, course, that's our little uh, anecdote spiel. Of course, we have some... Uh, readers, uh, 
anecdotes. We have one for Mary H. in uh, Bangor, Maine. Um, she's, of course, talking about the rail uh, from her previous, uh, some railroading stuff she has to deal with. Um, the railroading game quirk in our game doesn't have anything to do with what we play, but with a computer game one of our players uh, played. Uh, Leanne was playing Temple of Elemental Evil, which is based on a D&D module, on the PC and married an NPC which joined her party. However, the NPC was useless and took a full share of her treasure. So doing what any unhappily married person would do, she took her spouse out to a field and killed him. Uh, now when we play Earth Dawn Classic, which uh, we've been playing this campaign for four years, um, and they encounter an NPC we don't want to deal with, we ask Leanne to take them out to a field. Uh, like a Monty Python quote that's get mentioned every, almost every session. So I think there's a lesson to be learned in that, Tom. That's right. If you're going to kill someone, take them out to a field. Especially if it's your spouse. No, I mean, God for you know, what else? A field work? is a good place to kill someone. There's no that's cover. True. It's and, and, and if you have a hole pre-dug. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Like they that's mention, convenient. Like they mentioned in Casino. Yeah. If you're going to kill someone in the desert, as they said, now, just be sure to have the hole already dug. That's a good idea. Anyway, she has another story for us. I have another story for your show. Uh, in Earth on Classic, I play a Beastmaster. I have the ability to control animals and other types of creatures. Uh, we were in a cavern and came across a fast-moving stream. We thought it was too deep to cross, so I dominated a giant flying worm to carry the party across. Sounds cool. Right. I got extra XP for having a creative solution to the situation. Then we find out that the stream was about six inches deep. So much for being creative and useful. Next time, I'll just send the troll over first. Uh, now, first of all, I don't care what they say. That is still cool. Yeah. And, I, and you still, I don't care if I don't care if that stream was six millimeters deep. You deserve some. You deserve some kudos for that. Yeah. But you know, as for the, that's she lays another valid point. You you should have you should have a have a troll to you know detect traps. Or doesn't be a troll like a small child, an orphan, a peasant, or the goblin on the stick. Goblin on a stick. Yes, yes. Just you know, ten you, foot pole. You know, Put a t- you strap a goblin to it, stick the tin put full of anything, and the goblin will tell you what's going on like, on that. Pay, like pay him in turnips and maybe a couple of copper. Yeah. As long as they're shiny. Yeah. And just stick him out like, are there any traps there? And he, The great thing is if there are traps, he doesn't even have to tell you. Yeah. No. Yeah. He has uh, uh, audio feedback. As and the great say. thing about another great thing about goblins, there's a lot of them. Yeah. You can just get a new one. Yeah. But what do you do in games without goblins? Man. Uh, question for the ages. Anyways, we've got one last uh, gaming anecdote. This is from Ethan Daw, one of our old school fans. Ethan Daw. Yes. Uh, hi, Ross. I was listening to your latest episode, which is great, by the way, and I thought I'd send you a very short gaming story that seemed appropriate. Back in the mid-90s, I'd been away from RPGs for a few years. Some people from my awesome old gaming group had formed a new gaming group were playing on a regular basis. I was anxious to get back into a game and finally managed to make it to one of their games with the intention of continuing to play weekly. At this point, they were playing a system called Blood Shadows from West End Games. GM was one of the new group members, and everyone said the game was great, and the game he was running was great. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So with the help of the other players, I got a character together in short order. All right. So far, so good. That sounds sounds like a winner. Yeah. PCs were involved in some sort of Antarctic exploration or something. These exact details of which escapes me. For the entire evening of the game, the PCs were walking across this barren wasteland and occasionally encountering wooden stakes driven into the snow. We were all perplexed by these stakes. We dug under them and examined closely, looking for any clue. Hours of time passed. Real time. Literally, and we just couldn't figure this out. 
uh, it was time to break for the night. The GM said, and I quote, explorers would make lines of stakes spaced across uh, across a large distance to help guide them to their food caches on return journeys. They would come across a stake and then follow the line on their compass back to the cache. Don't you guys know anything about Antarctic exploration? Wow. Yeah. Um, and of course, then it says I never went back to play again. But I mean, wow, what an asshat. I mean, yeah. this, just the, the tone of the the GM saying, oh, you didn't know about Antarctic exploration yeah. food cachéing practices? I mean, come on. Yeah, there was, I had a similar situation in a game where I think it was another Call of Cthulhu where we were playing members of a uh, Coast Guard helicopter rescue team. And he just assumed that we knew all the procedures of rescuing someone at sea from a helicopter. Like we'd all seen the movie The Guardian or something. <laughs> and uh, so he, he got annoyed when we asked questions like, wait, so wait, I'm, I'm jumping out of this helicopter? He's like, yes, that's how it's done. God. God, don't you know everything about everything? I mean, you see, that's, that is really, really lame. And plus the whole game, it sounds really crappy. Like you're stuck in this wasteland just checking stakes. Like the GM can't figure out, hey, is this fun for me? Is this fun for them? Well, I'm going to assume... Who the fuck has fun well, I'm, with I'm, that? I'm going to assume that some other things happen. At least... God, Doesn't say anything like God, Ethan, I, I hope. Yeah, no, I, I think he pretty much... They spent the whole time looking at wooden stakes. Kind of like you... Uh, kind of like, like you and doing all that investigating and that Call of Cthulhu did thing you did in Gen Con. Um, since you could, you know, this, which were, oh, the Delta yeah, Green game, yeah, where you, were, you spent basically this all the time. Investigating that was different food. though. That was still fun because we were trying different things, and we, it was just we waiting for the timeline. This is where nothing is happening. The ga- game master in that game that was that different situation because we were the ones doing all this crap, and we didn't know that it was useless, and we had fun because we were trying all these different things. But the uh, in this, you're in a wasteland, middle of nowhere, looking at wooden stakes. How is that fun? I would th- I would hope to think there are at least, you know, some polar bears you could get for experience or something. <laughs> um, I don't know. Do you know anything about Blood Shadows? I mean, uh, I've never even heard of it. Yeah. But obscure game. Seeing this reading this story, I might have to look at look at it myself. Yeah. Sounds pretty crappy. We Ethan, must avoid uh, Ethan, Blood Shadows. Ethan Daw, you've actually convinced us to go look at another game. All right, good for you. Anyways. Congratulations. Um we don't have ya. we don't have a prize for you, but uh We'll say your name once more on this show. Mm, Ethan can. Daw. Ethan Daw, yes. That's right. All right. Anyways, uh, so those are gaming anecdotes. And again, if you have anything you'd like us to discuss in terms of uh, a problem you've had, some sort of situation, or if you Just have any more gaming story. anecdotes, yeah. Uh, please let us know. Uh, we, and uh, if they're good enough, we might just read them. Yeah. Anyways. You know, for those that actually don't go to our site and read them yourself. Yes, exactly. Serious, you, but- you, you should do anyway. Yeah. Because, you know, the more popular we are, the better. The cooler you become. Because you can say, we knew them back in the day. You know, when That's they were right. Old, like, you know, ultimate bragging rights. Yes, exactly. Before they sold out, you know. Which we we eventually will do. You know, yes. come on. Sweet gaming sponsorship deals. That's that's what we're looking for. The fat RPG industry dollar where, you Yeah, know. which is how so many billionaires got their start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Working for you know, writing game stuff for three cents a word or half a cent per word. Yeah, great stuff. Anyways, beautiful. So that's it for episode five. uh, Loot. Anyways, happy holidays, and we'll talk to you uh, next time. Later, later, all.